0: John Christ is a longtime stand up comedian who is currently traveling the country on his emotional support tour that stops here in Austin on Friday, December 8th at ACL Live at the Moody Theater. Just a few tickets remain for that show. Go to acllive.com to snag those. Check out all of his stuff at johnchristcomedy.com. John, thank you so much for the time. Great talking with you again. How are you doing today?
1: What's going on, brother? About to pack up the uh, bags, load up the tour bus, and head your way, my man. Cool. Well, I'm
0: excited because I'm going to be at the show at ACL Live at Moody Theater on Friday night. As I just oh, told yeah. you before we hit record here, I've seen a lot of stand-up in the city, and I've seen some music shows at ACL Live. I've never seen oh. stand-up before, so I'm thrilled uh, that you're the guy that gets to... Uh, to help me uh, understand just how great a venue that is for stand-up comedy,
1: too. You know what? I thought you were going to go as a comedian. I thought you, you're, if you talk about your first time, I thought you are going to use a couple of the different ways to describe that. But uh, yeah, that's the way we'll we'll say it like that. Yeah, comedy at that place is awesome because the uh, it's like pretty close. It's not 360, but it goes all the way to your 180s. Yeah, and that that's that uh, it goes all the way around you. So comedy, it's kind of a uh, it's an experience that you kind of share with the person next to you. So you need to kind of be a little tight in there.
0: Have you ever performed in the round before where you literally have an audience
1: all around you? Oh yeah.
0: Mixed reviews from people. Some comedians love it. And some comedians, it just freaks them out.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, I did what this place called the wagon wheel up in, uh, it was like a, it was like an Amish barn up in uh shoot. I don't know where it was, Pennsylvania somewhere. And that was like, the only the only venue there was i mean historically dane cook has done it uh one of his specials was in the round and then nate bargazzi did his last special in the round but uh yeah the round is a unique uh unique experience obviously you need all the uh monitors to when the comedian's not facing you we've done it a handful of times uh it's hit or miss
0: yeah, it's like you have to pay attention to not only what you're saying and, and the material that you're trying to present to the yep. people, you've got to make sure that you're you're kind of turning in all directions so uh no one group is uh is facing your backside the entire time, right? I think somebody's I think
1: somebody who was it? They thought they they just stood stationary and the stage moved. <laughs> but they told him like, "No, no, no, you got to move. Like you got to run around too." Yeah, I don't know where you deliver the joke to you just go section by section or do you move faster? I mean, that it's probably probably like a lot of things you get, you get some practice at it and then you, you figure out if you like it or not.
0: Well, it's been really cool to, uh, to watch your career evolve over the years. And I was, uh, just listening to your, the latest episode of your podcast, net positive, oh. You were talking about doing four shows in Phoenix recently, and it was interesting to hear your perspective on understanding the different crowds that you were going to be performing for, like the crowd on a certain night. That's the first group to buy tickets. Those are going to be the most hardcore uh, stand-up comedy fans, so they're going to get it a little bit more than the crowd who's buying for that fourth show, who, uh, as you put it in your podcast they may think that you're going to be showing them videos the entire time, but you're going to be doing your stand-up comedy. Uh, so it's yeah. fascinating to hear you talk about just getting yourself prepared for the type of crowd that you're going to be performing for, and maybe having a little
1: bit of patience with that yeah. less experienced crowd on the Sunday night show. Comedy's funny in a way, because a lot of, like you said, you're like, I never, you've bought, you've gone to comedy shows before, but think of the amount of people that have ever been to two live comedy shows let's much less let's say a handful five right so i'm thinking if you if you go if i went and saw my favorite band right if i went and saw drake or coldplay or hillsong or whoever you want to say and you saw them and then you saw them the next night and then the next night or we've been to a handful of morgan wallen concerts i guess you you like to say one show is better than the next, you got to go to a, a bunch of them to know. Like you got to go to at least five, I'm guessing, to know. Oh, that was a good show or the bad show. So we obviously know as performers. Oh my gosh, somebody met me in the airport the other day, and they were like, we were at the Greenville show, and I go, early show or late show, because I know how every show is, and if like that's a different experience. Now, the, now the crowd probably doesn't know, and a lot of my fans. Are it's the first time coming to comedy. We've been to the ACL Live before, but if you haven't been to the show, I mean, there's comedy clubs, there's arenas, there's small theaters, big theaters, there's amphitheaters, there's outdoor shows, there's brewery shows. Like there's just so many different types of comedy shows that uh yeah, it's it's hard to compare them to each other, at least as a fan. The the artist knows though.
0: Not to diminish any of the other venues, but do you have a favorite type of venue that you like performing in like I would assume that most comedians favorite venue is that two to 300 seat club that yeah. has the lower ceilings hopefully there's not too much food being served there so the distraction of fried food isn't yeah. uh, wafting through the air the entire time yeah. but uh, what is
1: your favorite type of venue to perform to. I mean that we obviously all of us you know when we when covid happened we we couldn't all the theaters were closed and the clubs are still open because they were were considered restaurants
0: <laughs> yeah and we could
1: so we could still work in those and it's just a, a different it's a different feeling right like you it's you can talk to the crowd if you're if you're at uh ACL live and somebody says uh says something in the front row there's you know 2500 people in there the rest of the people can't hear it so it's hard to kind of do crowd work or crowd interaction but also when you do the big ones that's a little bit more formal it's a little bit more polished it's a, it's like the comedy club is just you're just kind of not riffing but you're going back and forth with the audience it's more of a conversation and then you go to an arena that's like an act that's like uh with the with the um screens and all the sometimes pyro and smoke and all that so i mean i would say i like i love country music i want to see a country artist outside during the summer is where i want to see a country artist a country artist or i want to see a country artist in a stadium Mm. i'm not a big country artist in the arena guy it's like uh just like the basketball arena or whoever whatever arenas down there in Austin you're like ah i've seen a bunch of them but every everybody's different i, I like the amphitheaters and the sheds is what they call them uh when i like to see country music similar to the a subject
0: billion. of people who are newer to comedy shows yeah. uh coming to see you are coming to see anybody else for that matter comedy is going through a sort of uh, stand up comedy that is is going through a sort of renaissance right now which yeah. is awesome i love more people being exposed to the art form but with that comes the responsibility of understanding how to act at a comedy cu- club and or comedy show. Which yeah. means there's unwritten rules in place that uh, we need to help enlighten the people on, for instance, and I love to ask this of comedians because I can only I can only uh, pursue this from the audience side of things. Like, don't turn this into a mystery science theater 3000 situation. Nobody wants to hear your commentary while the comedian's setting up the jokes. Yeah. Just laugh when you need to laugh, clap when you need to laugh, and otherwise let that person do their thing. So from the stage yeah. side of things, is there an unwritten rule that you hope everybody who's attending a comedy show understands?
1: I would just say, especially for my fans, I mean, you got... Austin might be the closest I'm coming to them for, for four hours. And they might have they might have bought these tickets last Christmas. So you're thinking about uh this person has waited nine months or whatever to come see their favorite comedian. They they traveled all the way here, they got a hotel. Like you can say, Oh my God, we love you, and then I'll yell out back. And then, but if you're talking about railroading the show so we don't have to deal with you and there's a lot of people around you that that love the show and love to to come see me and you're taken away from them so i mean if some i mean people have yelled out things that are funny and i think what tiktok has done is kind of like emboldened people because a lot of those a lot of those uh crowd work clips that you see go viral on tiktok which is good for comedy because people are in the building but uh it's really pretty simple from our from the security standpoint if we say hey no talking uh i mean kevin hart does it if you talk you you get kicked out of there and you see one person get kicked out and that's about uh that's about the end of that so usually it, it goes about as as long as the comedian will allow it to now if the comedian in all honesty, doesn't have much to talk about on his side, he might, he might relish that if he doesn't have really much to say, or, or he might hope for something, someone to pop off in the crowd. Cause that's going to be a fun clip for him online. I don't particularly love it, but usually you find that the people um, are trying to be helpful or they, they, they love the idea of like throwing tomatoes at someone or heckling them because you hate them. That's, You would rarely, rarely see that, except here's where you'd see that. And when you see videos of it is in New York City, where they didn't come to see you. Mm. They just came to the comedy club. So in, in my scenario, everybody came to see me and they got dressed, took a shower and went out to dinner knowing what they were getting into. I don't think it's ever happened to me once. But let's say you go to open mic night in New York City. And uh, a comedian starts talking about something that is uh, sensitive to you, whether it be religion, uh, no matter what side, uh, politics, no matter what side, uh, health, uh, family, uh, violence or criminal behavior of some some kind. I'm not going to say you shouldn't yell out. I mean, if you're not yell out, but maybe you shouldn't leave or be opposed to that's part of comedy you want to do well. And you don't want to say things that are offensive. You want to kind of poke when you have spots, but, you know, leave that to, leave that to Bill Burr, leave that to Louis CK, maybe an open micer that's doing a showcase in New York city. Maybe that's not the time. <laughs> it, it's a great point. Understands
0: the show that you're going to see, but it's yeah. also important to understand the comedian that you're going to see too. Yep. Like yep. if you're just blindly buying tickets, like I would hope, because you've obviously gained a lot of notoriety from the uh, uh, excellent satirical clips that you've put out on social media over the years, yeah. but I would hope that somebody watches some of your stand-up before they buy tickets for your show. Because, right. at least in my opinion, you're a little bit edgier on stage, and and yeah. that's okay. Like that is the place to be a little bit edgier versus yeah. uh, versus some of the clips clips that you've set up on on TikTok, Instagram, yeah. Twitter, or elsewhere.
1: Yeah, I, yeah I, I would say back in the uh, Jerry Seinfeld, Jay Leno days, like in the 90s, you would people and I, I wasn't I wasn't doing comedy at this time, but people would just go to the comedy club. Yeah. They were just like, hey, seven o'clock, we have a comedy club in our town. We're going to go to it and then we're going to go to dinner at nine or whatever it might be. That's like just like going to a show. And now with the internet and and Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And especially, the, comedy's not for everyone. You got a uh, Jewish comedian, a Christian comedian, a Muslim comedian, a gay comedian, a black comedian. Uh, 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 there's some podcast, like, I, I live right next to Zany's, the comedy club here in Nashville. Sometimes I just go down there and you're like, I don't even know what this is. It's some, like, true crime podcast and 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 the fans in there are just rabid right the fans in there love this person and they're like this is the best day of our lives and if you didn't do any research and you just walked into the comedy club that's crazy person behavior in 2023 to just go into a comedy club blind is crazy because it used to be you know you go on the tonight show and then uh johnny carson would would kind of knight you And then you'd go, you tour all across the country doing your jokes for everybody, and that's just not the the, with that. It's like everybody doesn't watch the Tonight Show. Everybody comes home from work and goes off in their little corners of their own podcasts or whatever entertainment they like. Nobody's watching the same stuff like there's three TV channels like back in the day. Is Zany's your home club? Is that where you're working material? Um, Yep, we I live about three blocks from down there, so if I need to run something uh, quick before I go out of town for the weekend. They, uh, they let me sneak up on there.
0: How much are you working things out on the road? You're obviously in the middle of a, a pretty extensive tour right now. Oh. I would assume that there's ideas popping in your head. You're like, screw it. I got to get on stage and try this out.
1: <laughs> yeah. You can sneak one in every now and then uh, on the, on the road. I think you go to Zaney's and maybe decide if the premise is funny. Like in general, is this a relatable idea and then, if you got a, a punchline or two, you can go build out the joke on the road just with repetition and mm-hmm. do it. But you can't it's hard to introduce a topic in front of three thousand people that you have no idea if it you just need to know if the, if it's kind of a in, in general relatable and you can kind of take it from there. but it, it's hard to it's hard to go blind in a theater, but I've done it before, and that uh, if it doesn't work, I' just make a joke about it or something.
0: Now, Nashville and Austin are compared frequently. I think yeah. Dipper's in that category. Boise has a little bit of that. Portland, too. Austin's obviously become a very friendly town for stand-up comedy. Is Nashville the yep. same way? I've heard great things about that zanies.
1: But does oh, Nashville
0: yeah. a good place for a stand-up comedian to be?
1: Yeah, great place for a stand-up comic. I think there's a lot of the uh, – a lot of – uh I would say probably the most popular comedians around here, and I don't know why this has happened, but are are generally uh, clean, which mm-hmm. is unique. So you got uh, myself, uh, Napar Gatsy, mm-hmm. uh lives here. Kathleen Madigan lives here. Henry Cho lives here. Jeff Allen lives here, mm-hmm. as well as uh, a bunch of young uh, up and coming comics, Dusty Slay uh, Aaron Weber, a lot of guys that, uh, it's kind of like, you know, if you, if you want to be a race car driver, you should probably live in Charlotte. That's where they all, that's where they all live. And that's where they all race. It's gonna You can do it out of Minneapolis is just going to be much, much harder. So I think depending on the direction you want to go in your career. I mean, if I, if I lived in Austin and I was never done comedy before, or let's say Portland. That's gonna be a. That's gonna be an uphill road for me. I could do it. It's just, it might be a little bit harder. But that's gonna be up. That's gonna be an uphill road. That's funny you said that.
0: Oh no doubt because you are dealing with so much more competition. Like it's easier to become the best stand up in Birmingham and then try and move to. Uh, one of those places where things are a little oh, yeah. bit more intense, right? And by Not the yet. way, for every clean comedian in uh, Nashville, there's always uh, Theo Vaughn to balance things out too. And the oh, other Theo
1: better. Vaughn, hey, there's no, I would say, there's no more articulate and uh, compelling comedian working today than Theo Vaughn. I mean, <laughs> the run that this guy is on, and to see. I mean, I told him the other day we had a conversation. He he was on uh, Jelly Rolls on his podcast mm-hmm. and said he was in jail for drug trafficking, and then he got out and won. He got out and was nominated for a Grammy. He goes, "You're the only guy that's ever been nominated for a Grammy and a Grammy." <laughs> I mean, just off the top of his head, in in a conversation, that is that is unbelievable. I mean, this this guy's brain needs to be studied for science. I mean, the the run that Theo Vaughn, has been on uh in the last 12 16 months has been has been a, a joy to watch man
0: that's very cool to hear now uh you're coming to Austin this Friday i, I keep pretty good tabs on things have you performed in Austin before cuz i don't recall seeing you at cap city or any of the other clubs around town let's
1: see i well uh, you know what i kind of skipped uh the comedy club stage at least in Austin like i was i was coming up in the comedy clubs um denver and la and then I kind of got popular a little bit overnight, I would say, and then i the first time I ever came to Austin actually on tour funny enough was at a church, huh and I don't remember what the name of the church was, but it was in probably in two thousand eighteen I was uh two thousand nineteen I did two shows at a church in Austin, which were unbelievable, and then that was the end of our tour I remember that, and then uh 2019 I got canceled and then 2020 and 2021 was COVID and I think I was at ACL live in 2022. I remember, I believe that show was sold out now I'm back again.
0: Dude, your cancellation is wild and I'm not going to rehash the details. People can just go look that up, but in terms of like,
1: Oh yeah, all good. what dude.
0: was happening at that time and what, yeah. what you were going through, uh, it blew my mind and I, was a little bit afraid to ask about it when you and I spoke about your book a couple of years ago, and oh, nah, I'll dude. maybe ask this oh, question this way: That was a, a brutal experience for you to go through, and you obviously yeah. owned uh, a lot of things on your side as well. What is the ultimate okay. lesson that you took from that? Because uh, that is something that uh, nobody should have to go through in their lives, but you find your found yourself squarely in the middle of it. You know.
1: I mean, you look back at it now, and it was like uh, if if anybody would would remember 2019 like anybody anybody with a mic or a camera in front of them like you're either on the radio or you got a podcast or i mean certainly any type of entertainer people were like like uh proactively like quitting their jobs i mean people were like listen i slept with my girlfriend in college or I slept with a girl or like, and it was like, Hey, like, I'm out. I work at Warner brothers. Like just, I, it was so the movement or whatever it was, was so almost like a witch hunt in a lot of ways. And, and no one had any, you couldn't, I mean, you couldn't defend yourself. You couldn't say nothing. And, and the idea that it was just so much shame surrounding especially the topic of sex and especially as a definitely as a Christian is like, dude, this is a Christian celebrity. And sex is like the perfect storm for the media. And it was like, people were chirping stuff online, saying stuff all the time. And it was so, it was such a scary time. A because I wasn't really comfortable with being famous or popular, whatever you call it. I just kind of stepped into this uh, a year before and all these quote, allegations or whatever you call them were were from when i was like an open micer. or like when i was like working in vegas for like i was literally working for thirty dollars a night i remember and like there was no certainly no taking advantage of anyone or and definitely no power dynamic at play you know but but at the time the culture was not ready to hear my defense or my side or nothing what the nail in the coffin is is uh if that would happen today we would kind of roll our eyes and move forward and never address it but we we're just so scared it was so fear based uh that we i don't blame anyone else i blame my myself and the team that i had around me that we uh, reacted in fear uh not not in conjunction with who we, who I was as a person, but
0: completely understandable in that moment, because there was so much uncertainty, but one of the interesting zags that a lot of comedians have made since then. And I was talking with Donnell Rawlings about this last week is that a lot of comedians have uh, made a go of it. just doing things on their own to where they aren't necessarily having to answer to any corporate sponsors going forward. They are answering to their fans. And if your fans are no longer buying tickets and yeah. that's a completely different beast from you being canceled yeah. by a corporation that yeah. is all about virtue signaling and put up putting up all these fronts versus actually doing anything substantive and immediately yeah. uh, acting rashly uh, in yeah. the face of something that on its face looks bad without actually digging into anything. Yeah.
1: I remember asking my sister... You know, in a month after it all had kind of uh, blown over, whatever, I go, how many fans did I lose, like on social media? And she goes, none. Hmm. I go, wait, what? She goes, yeah, they're all still there. I go, what? And then like, my agent called and he was like, we got all this, all these, all these venues are lining up to book you. And I go, all right, wait, this doesn't make any sense because I'm getting trashed on Twitter, right? trashed on the internet, trashed in the news, but you're selling out the shows. So one of these things has to be true. Either the stuff on the internet is untrue, or the line around the block of fans that love your work is untrue. And you realize it's the people on Twitter that are, are we're not going to support you anyway. We're never coming to your show. And you just want to hear themselves virtue signal, because it does feel good. It does feel good to, when someone else is above you, to kind of notch them down. And uh, so you go, Well, and that's that's everybody. That's not necessarily me. That's every human. You go, oh, one of these things has to be untrue. If someone's critical of you, and then also people are buying your product or or still interacting with you or, or, or being your friend, either you're a monster or all these people that are your friends are lying to you. Hmm and you turn you realize that uh, the internet i mean uh some people shouldn't be allowed to have it let's just say that but uh yeah we've been able to come out the other side and and uh the show in Austin's full so as as are most of them on the tour so it's been uh and i'm a different person also you going through something like that and uh makes you stronger more resilient and makes you make you really What's worse from that happening is if that, honestly, I don't like to admit this, I guess, publicly, but what if that would have never happened? Mm. I would just be kind of in denial of who I was as a person, maybe still performing in, in uh, churches, but not necessarily the role model that they were holding me up to be and kind of living this double life. Like if I I like to, I'm four years sober since that day also, which is a miracle. So I, I'd probably, still, if that never happened... I'd probably still be performing in church. Still, probably be drinking in secret. You know, I mean, I'm in a relationship now, so my life is. I would consider myself more of a Christian now than I was before. But, but, uh, uh, uh more genuine, more empathetic towards. Uh, every time the co- a comedian or even a comedian, every time a celebrity is getting crushed in the news, I find myself taking their side usually
0: well congratulations on all the things you just talked about the sobriety the committed relationship that's all great and to your point if you hadn't gone through that hardships uh that hardship who knows where you would be right now and as a matter of fact i think that like it's weird to call you a christian comic because you do cover christianity in your act and you are (laughs) a christian but I also feel like, in a sense, that that sells you sort uh, short to a more general audience. But it's not like you're a Christian comic who is catering to the uh, branch Davidian mindset of Christianity. Oh yeah, well.
1: yeah. We don't have too many. We don't. We don't have too many of those jokes. If I do t- touch on something Christian, it would be something that any American would understand. Uh, you know. Parents uh, raising you very strict. Uh, Maybe I have a joke about David and Goliath or something like very, very 40,000 foot Christian ideas that if I, if you weren't, you don't live in Texas, but I don't live in Texas. But if someone made a joke about Dallas versus Houston, I'd be like, oh, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I know that. I get it. Exactly.
0: You're much more representative of every Christian I know who are level headed people who (laughs) at the end of every day, they have their faith.
1: Yeah, and I and I think as an artist, if uh, you know someone's a painter and they go, this person is a uh, you know an abstract painter, this person is a minimalist painter, this whatever the the it's kind of up to the people consuming the art to put it in a box. The, they they like to this person is a is a urban comic he only performs for black people like well that's not true i mean that might be the majority of his audience but he's for everybody but it's easier you know i just as we do with uh, this is a good guy this is a bad guy democrats are the bad guys democrats are the good guys or whatever side that you're on it's easy to put you know i'm a I'm a Georgia Tech fan so I hate the Georgia Bulldogs or that means all Georgia Bulldog fans are bad no they're not there's a lot of great ones but you know in general they're pretty insufferable people but <laughs> 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 that's a stereotype but congratulations to UT by the way going to the uh going to the going to the going to the uh playoffs in college football it's huge I I'm, I'm going to make some jokes about that actually at the show now they mention it is that right what did you say you're a fan of again I'm a Georgia Tech fan, so I hate Georgia. So I was happy to see them uh, not go. Guy, I feel bad for you guys.
0: It's been since Calvin Johnson since uh, oh, yeah. had a, a fun, entertaining football team to watch, huh?
1: Maybe back in the maybe back in the uh, Joe Hamilton, George Godsey days, baby. But uh, we had a split national championship with Colorado in 1990. That was the last time we were on top.
0: That's right. Well, uh, good luck on those uh, UT football jokes, and thank you, brother. Glad to be able to see you coming in town this Friday. Here's John Crist. Uh, there are scattered tickets remaining at ACL Live at the Moody Theater. Go to acllive.com to try and snag those. Check out his website, johncristcomedy.com. It's where you can follow him on social media. Check out his previous specials and a whole lot more. John, uh, thank you so much for the time of it. Again, man, it's been a real pleasure, and I look forward to the next time.
1: You're the man, dude. Come in and say hi after the show.
0: Thanks to Gentleman Jesus for the intro and outro music. Hear more of his work at GentlemanJesus.com. And thanks to you for hanging out. For more of the show and to connect on social media, visit BooksOnPod.com. We'll talk to you next time on Books on Pod.